The following comes to you to Podbean.com. In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Here we go. It's time for In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Here we go. Welcome everyone, happy Wednesday and welcome to In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. I am Sylvia Stein and welcome to the show. On today's show we're going to talk about crafting dynamic dialogue by author, uh, from the editor, sorry, of Writer's Digest. The forward is by author Cheryl St. John. And we're going to uh, begin with chapter two which we had already started a while back which uh, is by Gloria, author Gloria Kempton. But we're going to start off with set the mood in the story. Uh, we had talked about dialogue, but we didn't finish this section. And I'm going to start out in the set the mood in the story, which is on page 16 of the printed book. Uh, this is a book I got from my wonderful in-laws or my mom and dad. They're wonderful people. It, uh, two Christmases ago. And uh, it's, it's been a wonderful book. And I wanted to share it with you guys today. So welcome to In the Artist Realm. I am Sylvia Stein. And I hope you enjoy the show. We're going to begin with, um, let's uh, take a little break here so we can begin on Set the Mood in the Story. Welcome to In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Welcome back. So today we're going to begin discussing set the mood in the story. This is on page 16 of the book Crafting Dynamic Dialogue. It says, every story, sorry, every story, no matter what kind, evokes emotion in the reader, or it should if you want to hold your reader's attention. The story's emotional pull ultimately creates the story's mood. The mood, the emotion, is what keeps pulling at the reader, compelling her to keep turning the pages. The mood can be setting. It can be the characters and their motives. It can be how quickly or slowly the plot moves. So it says, Dialogue is a tool you can use to create your story's mood. In a mystery or horror story, the dialogue should evoke fear in the reader. In a romance, we're looking for that warm, Fuzzy dialogue that budding love brings. In a mainstream or literary story, it may be one of any number of atmospheres. We want to create an emotions. We want to create emotions. We want to evoke as we go about creating a scene of dialogue. That's what the book says. When characters are interacting, they're exchanging feelings. 
As the writer, you're in charge of creating the story's mood. Sometimes the mood just kind of evolves as our characters start talking, but you can also direct the dialogue so you're controlling the mood. For example, in Anna Quinlan's first-person novel, One True Thing, the relationship between the protagonist, Ellen Golden, and her father, the antagonist, George Golden, is a hostile one. He has convinced Ellen to come and be her mother's caretaker as she wastes away from cancer. Ellen grudgingly agrees, and her attitude toward this task quickly, quickly becomes the story's mood. The following scene of dialogue, we begin to see just what her attitude is. So here we go. Ellen, there is no reason for the two of us to be at cross purposes. Your mother needs help. You love her. So do I. Show it, I said. Pardon me? Show it. Show up. Do you grieve? Do you care? Do you ever cry? And how did you let her get to this point in the first place when she felt first sick why didn't you force her to go to the doctor your mother is a grown woman he said sure she is but wasn't it really that you didn't want your little world disrupted that you needed her around to keep everything running smoothly just like now you need me around because she can't you bring me here and drop me down in the middle of this mess and expect me to turn into one kind one kind of person when I'm a completely different kind and to be a nurse and a friend and a confident and a housewife all rolled up in one don't forget being a daughter you could always be a daughter oh papa don't try to make me feel guilty as the story progresses we watch the plot events transform Ellen and by the end of the story she's a different person but this is the mood that permeates the story and the author often uses dialogue to bring it out so here we're learning about the story called one true thing by Anna Quinlan and she talks about a father and daughter's hostile relationship and and the dialogue carries this story obviously Ellen is not thrilled to be there to be put in the middle of everything to take care of her mother. But the underlying story, as it says, it transforms Ellen. No one wants to think of someone they love that's ill or face that reality. I know I wouldn't want to, and I know most of us don't. And uh, or whether it be a mother, a father, a child, or anyone that, that's close to us that we care about, a, a close friend, we don't ever want to have to face that reality. So um, this is a story of, of what it's talking about. But the exercise here that um, author Gloria Kempton describes is here. Set the mood in the story. Place two characters in a setting that will enhance the story's mood. A dark, creepy alley in a horror story. A bright island beach in a romance. Or you might want to reverse these for something different. A dark alley in a romance or an island beach in a horror story. Write a scene of dialogue focusing on the mood, emotion you want to convey in the overall story. This is something that's on page 17 of the book that you can work on for next time. For the next uh, time we do the show, you can uh, write email silwriter07 at gmail.com.
and or you could uh, send them to in the artist realm on Facebook um, and send me your uh, your scenes and I can read them on the air for the next show so we can do that and I can and I'm also going to work on this scene but I wanted to share because of the fact that they discuss one true thing by Anna Quinlan's for those of you that know me and I, I've written several books um, one of my books is called closure and I can really relate to Anna Quinlan's one true thing because the story is about another this is another type of a hostile um, relationship between a father and a daughter Sarah James is the main character in closure and her father Garrison James is the one that's causing her this pain and there is a conflict there's also a mother that has but the mother has passed in the beginning and there begins that journey of what happens to these characters and I use a lot of dialogue also to describe their relationship in the first book closure so if you ever have a chance to read it please do and I will read an excerpt of it for next time that, uh, on the show but for now we're going to continue on the next section and we'll be right back with that going to read intensify the story so let's move on to that this is on page 18 we can use dialogue to keep raising the stakes for our protagonist to keep him in hot water to keep propelling the story forward your character has a goal he wants something desperately in the movie et we remember only one line vividly et phone home this one line of dialogue, three words, contains the essence of what E.T. is all about. This little creature just wanted to go back home, desperately. Now it's up to you to keep throwing obstacles at your protagonist, to keep him from easily getting what she wants. These obstacles come from within and without the character. The other characters come against your protagonist. The protagonist sabotages herself. This is called story conflict, and you can reveal it and keep intensifying it through dialogue. You want to use dialogue to keep reminding the reader just how desperate your character is to achieve her goal. So every scene of dialogue, in some way, she says, needs to move the story conflict forward. We need to be in a different place at the end of a scene of dialogue than we were at the beginning. The situation should grow continually worse every time our characters open their mouths to talk to one another. Our protagonist is becoming more desperate. Our antagonist seems sure of victory. We know because of the confidence we give to his tone of voice. Our supporting characters keep reminding our protagonist of his goal, of where he's headed on the hero's journey. This is dialogue that does not stand still but moves the story forward with each scene. In Jude Devereaux, this is the example they give, 
Jude Devereaux's romantic suspense novel, High Tide, the protagonist, Fiona, is being set up for murder. A businesswoman, she is visiting her wealthy client, Roy Hudson, on his boat when he starts hitting on her. She fights him off, eventually falling into an exhausted sleep on the boat and waking up in the middle of the night with his body on top of hers. He's very, his very dead body. The hero, Ace Montgomery, and Fiona are talking about the murder in the following scene of dialogue. She took a deep breath. I want to know what's going on, she said as calmly as she could. I'm wanted for murder. The newspaper... No, we are wanted for murder. He put the frozen packages back into the freezer and was now looking in the cupboards. Cupboards. You know how to make pancakes? At that, Fiona put her arms straight down to her sides. Her hands in fists opened her mouth and let out a scream. Ace had his hand over her mouth before she let an ounce of air escape her lungs. What the hell do you think you're doing, he demanded. If someone heard you, they might investigate. Slowly, he removed his hand and nodded toward the counterpart, countertop in the kitchen. Now sit while I make breakfast. She didn't move. So help me if you don't tell me what's going on. I'll scream my head off. You really do have trouble with anger, don't you? Have you thought of seeing a counselor? At that, Fiona opened her mouth again, but this time he didn't move. Instead, he just looked at her speculatively, closing her mouth. Fiona narrowed her eyes at him. So why aren't we at the police station, Mr. Do-Gooder? Just hours ago, you were telling me that I couldn't be a fugitive from justice, that I had to turn myself over to the police. But now that you're also accused, we're hiding? You want blueberries in your pancakes? I want some answers, she shouted at him. So, since this is a romantic suspense, Deborah had to do double duty in anticipating the conflict in each scene. She has both the plot, the murder, and the relationship between the hero and the heroine to develop. This scene works well on both levels as Fiona is screaming at Ace to give her some answers about the murder. She's scared to death at being a suspect, while furious at him for not being more direct with her, as you probably know when writing romance. The hero and heroine often start out intensely disliking each other. A scene of dialogue showing this is a lot more fun than the protagonist simply telling us from inside her head. So, this is what um, the author Gloria Kempton wrote, because it's from the editors of Writer's Digest. She's also an author. Um, now we have exercise here that we need to work on. It says, intensify the story conflict. Two characters are arguing about the moral issues concerning abortion or the death penalty or assisted suicide, or another hot topic of your choosing. Write a scene of dialogue that intensifies the conflict between these two characters. Show the conflict escalating as they continue to argue. So this is more intense, the subject on it. You can work on intensifying the story or setting the mood in the story, um, and then we can discuss those in the next segment of our show, hopefully. Um, I will try to do another show next week. Uh, if not sooner this week, but we will discuss these um, exercises. And the last section we're going to do today is going to be create tension and suspense. And we'll be right back for that. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And now we're going to start with uh, the next section is create tension and suspense. So how do we do that? And this is what she says. As a writing coach, I have worked with hundreds of fiction and nonfiction writers over the years. And the weakness I see most often in scenes of dialogue is the lack of tension and suspense. Nothing is at stake. The characters are just chatting about something or other, making small talk, having a tea party, ho-hum. Dialogue's purpose, and there, and there is no exception to this, is to create tension in the present and build suspense for what's to come. As a fiction writer, you want to remember this. No matter what kind of scene you're writing, no matter the genre, the tension, and suspense must, uh, suspense must be included, most often at the core of the scene. Su successful authors know this. Robin Cook, the author of a number of successful medical mysteries, is such an author. His stories are full of tense dialogue scene after tense dialogue scene. The following excerpt is from his novel, Fatal, Fatal Cure. It illustrates the kind of tension and suspense in a dialogue scene that grabs the reader by the gut so she couldn't stop reading even if the house was on fire. The protagonist, Angela, is on a personal mission to find a killer. The real reason, or the, or the reason this is personal for her is because her husband, David, has just discovered a body buried in the basement of the house they recently moved into. Prior to the scene, she confronted the chief of police about what she sees as incompetence and indifference in the police search to find a suspect. And here we go. Don't you dare paint me as, as an ahysterical female, Angela said as she got into the car. Baiting the local chief of police like that certainly isn't rational, David said. Remember, this is a small town. We shouldn't be making enemies. A person was brutally murdered. The body dumped in our basement. The police don't seem too interested in finding out who did. You're willing to let it rest at that? As deplorable as Hodge's death was, David said, it doesn't involve us. It's a problem that should be left up to the authorities. What? Angela cried. The man was beaten to death in our house, in our kitchen. We're involved whether you want to admit it or not. And I want to find out who did it. I don't like the idea of the murderer walking around this town. And I'm going to do something about it. The first thing is we should learn more about Dennis Hodges. So here, as she says, as Kempton says, Cook creates tension in the scene by pitting Angela and David against each other in their different approaches to how this case should be handled. The suspense comes from Angela's determination to do something about the murderer walking around her town. She has spoken her commitment out loud and we know she means what she says. She's going to do something and we'll keep reading to find out what she does. Effective dialogue always, always delivers tension. So that's very important to know. So effective dialogue always, always delivers tension. And then she writes, just for fun, take a notebook and go to the, go to the mall or a park or a cafe and eavesdrop on a conversation. Chances are it will be pretty mundane as is. Now write a scene of dialogue giving the conversation you just heard a purpose. So that's just for fun if you want to do that. The next part is create tension and suspense, the exercise. Two characters are in a fender bender. One 
the antagonist has yet to get a learner's permit and was talking was taking the family car out for a joyride without insurance. Write a scene of dialogue that's full of tension and suspense for what's ahead for both characters. So that's another one. And that's where we're going to leave it today. Uh, we had the, um, the sections that we covered today is set the mood in the story. We have an exercise to set the mood in the story on page 17. Intensify the story. You can intensify the story conflict. Another exercise on page 19. And then, of course, the chess for fun. You know, try to listen to a conversation, write don't notes on it, create a scene, and or it create tension and suspense by using an example such as a fender bender. For the next time, we're going to discuss these scenes and then going to speed up your scenes, the exercise, add bits of setting, background, exercise, communicate the theme, and using dialogue as you would actual speech. And then uh, try to finish up the chapters and not go to the next chapter. And that's what we'll have for In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein next time. And I am planning to do interviews. I haven't set up any times yet. Hopefully June we'll do more author interviews. I also hope to get James Matthew Byers to come to, our, uh, sh to the show to give us more insight. Not just on his awesome writing as an author and everything, but also... Some writing tips that he could share with you guys as an editor, also as a teacher. And he might be able to give us another lesson. So hopefully I can schedule that uh, soon also. So, um, but for now, the announcements I wanted to give as, um, as for me being an author is that I'm working on my new book, Battered Mind. I was going to release it this summer. Unfortunately, because of scheduling and, you know, I have a lot of editing to get to with the rough drafts and everything. I won't be releasing that till fall of next year. But hopefully after that, I'll also have a collection of stories that I'm working on. Um, stories that I never really released, um, that I've had short stories put in, in a collection for women's literary type of work and maybe some poetry there because I am doing poetry with the coffee house writers shout out to them and all they do for us and also um, I do have another story I'm working on uh, for the following year the fallen star series or the fallen star and uh, that talks it's set in the 70s and it's about a, a young woman trying to look for fame and you know finding out the hardships of how that goes and then create other stories. And I'm also working on maybe trying to work on something like a musical for later years um, that I'm trying to do. And also, um, you know, trying to get the perfect live series on what Wattpad, um, uh, which was a story I created when I was on Odyssey at SNHU. And trying to get that to become like, uh, it was an homage to soap operas, but... I want to make it into a type of series, romance series that I'm trying to work on. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to do. But for now, Battered Mind is the story, the podcast. And I wanted to kind of give you all an insight of what was going on with me as an author and everything I do. And I also have been teaching. I'm a sub. Um, I do online tutoring. Um, and I'm trying to get into the... Um, teaching um, as far as uh, hopefully at a online college or a 
or a community college, hopefully. Um, and of course, I'm mom first and a wife. So this is why there was a deep hiatus for the show. And I do apologize, but I want to thank you. I'm almost at 100 shows. I started this two years ago, um, and I'm so, so happy. Um, and uh, it, in 2016, I had the idea, and uh, it, it, it uh, you know, it's, it's taken fruitation. It's grown, and the crowdfunding still needs work. I'm still work, trying to work on those details, but I wanted to say to all of you, thank you so much for all the stuff that you do all the things that you give us um give me as a as an author as a podcast um for having this podcast all the artists that i hope to have back on the show uh in for in the artist realm with sylvia stein and i hope that uh, you keep downloading the episodes and uh you know my podcast has come as recommended I want to also thank Podcasting Smarter, the group I joined on Facebook. Shout out to all of them. And uh, and uh, I'm just so grateful to everyone. And I want to. I hope that you'll join us again for another Writing Tips for Crafting Dynamic Dialogue. I also have a writer's group. Uh, it's kind of, it's a private group on Facebook that I'm hoping to bring up back up this May, early June. And then link the podcast that I do with the writing tips so you all can get some exercise flowing and getting your, you know, honing your skills of what you need to do. I also wanted to extend a big shout out to um, all those that are graduating uh, from SNHU, um, especially uh, like Keely, Messino, uh, Christopher Barlett, and there's all these other wonderful people from the Coffee House Writers, which is what where I work at now, and I I write for the Coffee House Writers for Odyssey, and I'm so grateful to all of them for for Je like Jess Knoppel, uh, 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 Jessica uh, or Jess Knoppel, um, and then uh, also um, Caitlin Haynes and and and. Uh, Alexandra Pallet and all the wonderful writers like Keely Messino, which is also an advertiser like me, Alexandra Pallet, um, um, all these wonderful people that are in the group. Shout out to all of them. And for all those authors and writers and artists that have been on the show, shout out to all of you uh, great authors that have been here on the show and all those from Stitch Mile Publications. Shout out to all of you. And also the wonderful authors like Chrissy Parker, from Devon in the UK, um, Lori Fontanes, another wonderful author, um, and uh, Michael Dangerman, who's been on my show. He's a tattoo artist, great artist, did my cover, um, and all the wonderful people that have been on here. Um, I, I think I also had a musician, um, uh, Cameron Johnson, um, who was on the show. Um, and all the wonderful people that have been on, thank you to all of you for everything you do. And for all the listeners, thank you. And have a happy, happy Wednesday. You all enjoy. And I hope you'll join us again for In the Artist Realm. And now this is Sylvia signing off. Have a good one. And this was In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Join us again. Soon.
This was In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Join us again next time.